This is the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the host of the show, Jason Selms. Welcome back to AHP. Thank you for joining me for another episode. And today we have a brilliant episode uh, with Mark Bourne. He's the head engineer of Kestrel Australia. Now, if you've been following my podcast for a while or you've been following me on YouTube, you know I've recently just gotten into a bit of long-range shooting and a bit of long-range hunting. And it's really become a real enjoyment learning to shoot out at long ranges, uh, not only at targets, but being skilled enough and having the correct tools to be able to take long-range hunting shots. When I first got into a bit of long-range shooting, a bit of long-range hunting, I started to ask myself, how do you actually get into it? What tools do you need to be able to shoot long-range? And what is the best way to calculate what my bullet is actually doing at certain distances? So initially what I did is I had a load worked out for my 243 for an example, which was a 70 grain Sierra Blitz King. And I thought, how can I ethically shoot long range and long range hunt to make sure I get a good, honest, clean kill? So originally I started off with the ballistics app called Strelock, which was absolutely fantastic. I also got myself a plug-in Bluetooth weather meter, which measures the wind. And that was absolutely fantastic to get me into the initial long range markmanship skills. Now, of course, I don't claim to be a professional, guys, but certainly tools and equipment make a huge difference. And we are going to talk about that with Mark today. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, just myself alone picked up a Leica 2400R. And I also picked myself up a Kestrel 5700. Now, you might be asking what a Kestrel is. Some people have no idea what I'm talking about. And what it is is a little device that actually gives you shooting solutions. It measures wind. It measures barometric pressure, humidity, and it also has a ballistics application built in. So it pretty much gives you everything you need to do some trajectory validation with your loads to be able to shoot long range consistently and accurately, which is the most important thing. So when we bring Mark on the show in a minute, go to talk about everything to do with the products and how they can best benefit shooters, uh, not only in Australia, but obviously around the world for people that are listening to this show. So I'm going to introduce Mark from Kestrel Australia. Mark Bourne, welcome to AHP. Thank you for joining me talking about uh, Kestrel products. Real pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for reaching out and getting in contact. I've been looking forward to it since we've been emailing about a week ago. No worries. Tell us about yourself. I'd love to find out a bit more about yourself before we get into the wonderful products that Kestrel offer. Yeah, look, uh, farmer from South Australia, born and bred on the farm, still live in the farm I grew up in. Um, and I'm also an aerospace engineer, which is sort of how I got into Kestrel in a way. Um, but yeah, shooting my whole life since I was about four. So yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. So where are you? You said you're from South Australia? Yep. Yep. So, Barossa Valley, South Australia. What's South Australia like in regards to, uh, you know, hunting and, and shooting? Any Anything good down there? Uh, good, good. Good if you live on a farm. <laughs> I'm not so sure about <laughs> some of the other blokes, but yeah, certainly I've always been quite lucky, had a lot of opportunities. I even shot for national parks for a while as a younger fella back in my school and university days, so got quite lucky with that. Mm. How did you get into shooting anyway? Did you, is it a family tradition? Was your family into it or is it something you got oh, into later on in life? Every farmer with sheep probably gets into shooting at some stage, I imagine. I mean, my father was always a shooter. I think, I mean, he was yeah back in when he was at school i think he picked up shooting back when it was you know part of your schooling um and then obviously he lived on a farm so he kept on shooting and then he got a, had a we well, had a daughter first and then my older sister and then i came along and 
like most impressionable four-year-olds watching your old man go shooting. I was very interested. So <laughs> yeah. a fam- fam- famous photo of me with a bloody 303 and a pillow. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Um, what, what do you like to hunt if you get the opportunity or shooting matches or just shooting in general? What do you enjoy getting into when you get the opportunity you get a bit of a break? Or Yeah, not much of a competitive shooter. I, I tend a fair bit of competitive shooting, especially with Kestrel. I mean, they, they move me around. I sort of try and attend the PRS matches and those sort of things. And I've been to a few F-class matches and bench rest, you name it. But it's never really appealed to me to compete. Uh, if I go shooting, generally it's um, – practice shooting steel and those sort of things on the farm. I do quite enjoy my long-range stuff, obviously, hence we're talking casual today, and and mainly I'm a, I'm a hunter. I, I do most of my own meat myself, so, you know, start off with rabbit's hairs, still enjoy a lovely afternoon, plinking off bloody rabbits at four 500 metres, as I hear you've started to get into. And, <laughs> yeah, and also deer, obviously, and goats. I Yeah, I've been a fan of hunting pretty much most things that I can eat. Excellent. How did you get involved with Kestrel? Uh, as you know, I just bought a, some products myself. I'm quite enjoying them so far. So how did you get involved with either bringing in or being the importer for Kestrel products here in Australia? Well, yeah, look, I met the director of Kestrel Australia in fairly roundabout circumstances, got introduced to him and got chatting. I, I mean, I got really sick at one stage. So I finished my engineering degree and I really didn't want to start work for some of the companies that traditionally were the path of aerospace graduates. Um, uh, yeah, spoke to Don, who's a director down there at Kessel Australia, and most people, if they ring up, can sometimes get a hold of him. And got introduced, got chatting. Uh, I'm a farmer with an aerospace degree. It's actually pretty rare, it turns out. So, <laughs> pretty much started yeah, the next right. day, I think. <laughs> what about <laughs> Kestrel as a company? I mean, how long do you know how long they've sort of been going? How long they've been involved in, you know, shooting solutions for, you know, long range shooters, et cetera, and those sort of things? Yeah, look, I mean, Kessel Australia is a bit different to Nielsen Kelman, which is the parent. I mean, Kessel Australia, just the importers and distributors, and we do a lot of technical support to a lot of the industries here in Australia. Um, we do work with the US, but we are separate entities. Um, the Kestrel itself in the US is actually a branch of Nielsen Kelman. I think they started making the Kestrel weather devices in 1996 ish, about mid 90s anyway. Um, and then oh, I reckon that was mainly rowing equipment. So the guys that were importing the rowing equipment into Australia, I think they got a little bit sick of the long-range shooting stuff and the mining stuff and the firefighting stuff and it was a bit out of their sort of, you know, specialisation. So must have been oh, seven, eight years ago, something like that. Um, so Americans sort of took on the exclusive distributorship in Australia and sort of specialised in handling the Kestrel devices only in Australia and left the rowing stuff with the guy who was importing that side of the business. And it sort of grew from there and became its own entity. Um, and Kestrel Australia is now run out of Australia and, and tries to, you know, be a, as supportive as we can in the Australian market in terms of technical issues and those sort of things, which has sort of changed in about the last four years, I guess, is sort of when it's really developed as a bit more of a specialisation rather than just an importer distributor. Mate, I wanted to talk to you. Some people don't know actually what a Kestrel is, so can you just explain just, I guess, a bit further in depth? Because people say, well, they hear the word Kestrel and they've heard it before, but they go, like, what on earth is actually this thing? So can you just explain it for people that might not know what they actually are? 
Yeah, it's, it's basically just a portable weather station, really. I mean, there's units like the Kestrel Drop, which doesn't even have the wind meter in it. I think most people are familiar with the wind meter side of Kestrel, and they think that's all they do. But they're really, you know, temperature, humidity, pressure sensors, all crammed into a little handheld device with data logging in sort of the higher-end models. And they mainly sell to sort of scientific fields and firefighters and mining sites, and that's basically what I spend most of my time doing is actually dealing with firefighters, agriculture, and the mining sector. I quite enjoy the products myself. I think a lot of people actually emailed me and messaged me and said, you know, and told me about them first. Then I started seeing them on YouTube and I thought, oh, this looks like an interesting product I might be able to use. One question I wanted to ask you, a very interesting one, that when people buy these things, now obviously there's spare parts, do they need to be re-collaborated? It wasn't one of the questions I sent over, but if someone has, is there a lifespan for the product? Does it need certain types of uh, spare parts after a certain amount of time or, or is it pretty much good until, you know, long? Long term certainly with the older units so the old 4000 series um which was the most common the 44 nv ballistics like when i ran horace and those sort of things they had a relatively high deterioration rate compared to modern standards when it comes to humidity sensors and generally you had to send them back in or buy some salt kits and, and recalibrate the humidity but other than that there's very little you need to do and with the modern ones the new 5000 series they they really they really last. I mean, they, they haven't been out that long. They sort of got phased in back in 2015. But we haven't seen any deterioration in the accuracy of those units so far. And, and their cycle testings certainly indicate they'll last a pretty exceptionally long time. So at this stage, other than lithium batteries, it's the one thing we do bang on about. And I think when you first emailed me, it was the one thing I sort of mentioned to you about what's the top tip when it comes to using a Kestrel. It's make sure you use a decent battery because the alkaline ones just do not survive in the kestrels the kestrels you know their their power draw requirements and how they behave they just kill those batteries and generally they leak and that what get leaks inside the unit and renders it inoperable yeah especially the older ones so the old 4000 series were notorious for it they used to leak and kill the boards now you've got a little bit of opportunity for that not to happen because the battery compartment i don't know you you put a battery in you notice how it was sealed away from the rest of the electronics and that that does provide some protection. So generally guys which run rechargeables for a period of time can get away with it. But certainly we just strongly recommend using lithium because the voltage is nicer and, and most sensors, you know, most things that actually are measuring something like temperature generally require and uh, require a quality power supply to actually measure accurately. Same same thing with you know, with shooters would be aware of the electronic scales that sort of, you know, charge masters, those sort of things. If you don't have good quality voltage, that they basically suffer in accuracy, and, and you do see that quite a bit. Same with the Kestrel. It's a scientific device. You, you really need to give it good, clean power. Exactly, and especially if you're spending a lot of money, you know, some of these, you know, up for you know five to $1,000, maybe a little bit more in some situations, depending on which model you buy. So if just clarifying, if I buy the lithium battery, do I actually have to take the lithium battery out, or I can leave it in if it's actually the lithium? You can leave it in. I mean, I, I've, they generally last about six months before they die, um, as long as you're not sampling every 10 minutes um, with the, the automatic sampling turned on, or auto store, it's called, um, which is basically turning the Kestrel into a data logger. Um, but, yeah, otherwise, you know, they last about sort of six months with pretty heavy use. I mean, the recreation shooter will probably get a year or more out of the one battery, and it is fine. You can leave them in. 
but like all electronic products, if you are going to leave it for an extended period of time, it's always better to take the battery out because you just never know. You know, you could have a dodgy battery. You know, it might be the most expensive lithium battery on the market with just a, you know, with a flaw in the casing. You know, when they manufactured it, it didn't meet QA, and you just don't know that. So, it's still recommended to take the battery out if you really are going to put it away for, you know, twelve months. But if you're not shooting using it within twelve months, you're doing something wrong, really, aren't you? Renowned for their strength, reliability and attention to detail, Moroku shotguns are the perfect example of what a sporting shotgun should be. Moroku have been producing quality products for over a century and sold in Australia since 1963. Each Moroku shotgun is crafted with precision, from the MK Trap and sporting models to the all-round best-selling field shotgun, the MK70. Visit morokushotguns.com.au for more details and stockists. What about someone like me, for example, talking about life of the units? You know, I might be able to get out shoots for maybe five, six, seven, eight times a year doing that particular type of shooting. So would I get a really long time? Because a lot of shooters, you know, unless they have a farm or access to certain types of properties, they might use it five or ten times a year. Will they get quite a long time shelf life out of that product? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the, the limiting factor is the battery, not, not the unit itself. I mean, cool, kestrels yeah. are as rugged. I mean, we often see you know, cases and those sort of things on the market for them. And, and we do some of the units that go to mine sites actually come in a big Pelican case for that stuff for being intrinsically safe and all that gear. But the reality is, is they are designed to last a very long time. I think they've got a five-year warranty for, you know, all, pretty much anything you can do to it as long as you don't drive over it with a tractor. It's not as good as, say, a Vortex scope warranty, but it's pretty bloody good. When did Kestrel, when they first started bringing out their products for the environmental conditions, did they design shooting solutions into their products first up or that came down the line? Yeah, look, I'm engineer, not a historian. Um, but <laughs> oh, I've stumped him. I've stumped him. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't my look, intention. I reckon, <laughs> yeah, I reckon the Horus 4500s came back out. In, must have been the early. You know, I'm going to say 2010, 2011. I reckon that's when the Horus ATRAG software was put in the 4500s. And that was pretty clunky. A lot of guys remember that. Remember spending a lot of time cycling through menus on the Kestrel. It was pretty slow and pretty painful. Um, <laughs> They've really come then, a long way from what I've seen on mine. Like I'm really impressed with the product, actually. Um, just, oh, just the way it works. The you know, and I actually watched a couple of YouTube videos as well, and I thought it was really good at one stage until I found the way just to all pretty much when I'm doing like a shooting solution, if I'm out in the field, to quickly do the capture right at the front of the screen with the capture button. I thought, wow. I thought it was good before, but now it's gone up <laughs> 10 more levels than I thought it was possible. So Yeah, so that, that little red button wasn't in the old 4000 series units. That's that's new to the 5000 wow. series. It's amazing what one button can yeah. do <laughs> to make it such Maybe they've listened to their really... customers. Maybe they've listened. <laughs> yeah. who, who would have thought listening to your customers would be a good idea? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> customers don't know anything. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so they developed the products and um, I guess tell us what Kestrel is and does for the people who don't know. So it measures certain types of conditions for shooting solutions. Just give a couple of what it actually measures. So if you're shooting, for an example, what are important uh, environmental conditions that we need to know about and, and that the Kestrel provides to give us an accurate shooting solution? Certainly. So what you need is temperature, humidity and pressure, but pressure in most of your um, ballistic calculators actually uses density altitude, which is referencing all density altitude is, is referencing the standard atmosphere 
to your current conditions so that the calculator just basically pulls up a table, looks at the equivalents, applies a scalar factor, and then runs all the equations running at a different density altitude rather than having to manually calculate the individual pressures and, and working out densities and those sort of things. So it's just a faster system for the computer to handle you know, a, a significant amount of data. And they're the three key things, temperature, humidity, and density attitude. And generally, when you're buying a Kestrel, if it's for shooting, those are the three you should look at for the specification sheets. Density attitude's also more important for the guys that want to go out further. If you're just, you know, a Joe Blow, deer hunter, uh, say most of your stuff is in thick Samba country and you want a Kestrel for, you know, taking those 400-metre shots, something like that, with a bit more confidence and truing up your data – then density attitude becomes less important for that because, you know, minute of Samba deer is quite a large target, even fallow, it's a big target, even goats, reasonably sized target. But once you start going beyond that and your targets get smaller, you, you do need to start truing up for a m more accurate data set for the equations to run nicely. And, and DA is certainly important for that, which is density attitude. Sorry to uh, shorten it like that. The Australian Hunting Podcast is the only hunting, shooting and fishing podcast radio show in Australia. With over 40,000 downloads per month, you are sure to find some information that can help you. If you love hunting, shooting, fishing and a little bit of politics, the Australian Hunting Podcast has you covered. To listen, check us out on iTunes and visit australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. How does that make a difference too? Like, because I know one, especially this is obviously not part of the Kestrel, but wind really makes a huge difference when I'm shooting. That's probably the one thing that I've learned that made a huge difference when I started shooting, thinking, yeah, wind, okay, a little bit to left and right, not a big deal, but it's the difference between a, a really good hit or a good honest miss. So how does, how does those conditions like, as you said, humidity, temperature and those types of things, how does it make a difference on whether, does it make a huge difference on whether you, know, you can hit or not at certain distance, especially if you go out further? Yeah, look, I didn't mention wind. I uh, probably should have. Wind is pretty important, but you can get away without it if you've got a bit of practice and a bit of wind reading skills. Um, but the environmentals in terms of temp, humidity and DA, they affect how the bullet behaves in that fluid. And when you say the word fluid when it comes to this sort of thing, you actually mean the air. They're, you know, you've got air which is of a certain density and it's sort of – it's got a certain speed of sound, like your mark numbers changes based on temperature and humidity. You know, there's there's all these little factors that will affect the performance of that bullet and its ability to reach the target and, and what, you know, trajectory it's going to take. And then you've got the, you know, the effects of the wind on that behaviour. So, you know, in a zero wind environment, if you change the temperature, the humidity or density attitude, you're still going to, you know, have elevation changes on your point of impact. So it's important to measure those, especially as you're going further away. And then, yeah, wind just comes in and absolutely kicks your ass normally. And and one of the things people do commonly say is, oh, you know, the wind, oh, I don't want to know it at my shooting position. I need to know what it is downrange. Well, it's a bit inaccurate. Um, in actual fact, the wind at the shooting location dominates the majority of the ballistic solution. What we try and teach guys to do is actually if you're a dialer or you're going to hold off, maybe you know set up your shot initially based on what the Kestrel is saying the wind is and then you, know, you can use your own experience or what you can see in Mirage or something like that to actually adjust accordingly. So dial your wind in that the Kestrel says and then hold accordingly based on what you can see. Looking for outdoor equipment for your next adventure? 
At Aussie Outdoor Gear, you can find cooking equipment, camo clothing for kids, backpacks, camo accessories and much more. We cater for your hunting, fishing, camping, hiking and other outdoor pursuits with our unique product range. AussieOutdoorGear.com.au Quality gear at affordable prices. What ballistics application does Kestrel use inside their products? Does it use a certain type of system or product from someone else that able to that is used inside the system to give you those solutions? Yeah, well, for the 5,700 units and there's a brand new 2,700 unit as well that will be out later this year, I think only in a few months, um, was announced at SHOT Show. Um, those units run applied ballistics. Um, one runs applied ballistics ultralight or light. I can't actually remember the technical name of it off the top of my head. But it's it's basically the engine. So applied ballistics apply the engine that drives the data. Um, and then the Kestrel itself uses its own programming and, and you know how it handles that data is sort of unique to the Kestrel. And a lot of it, you know, is pretty heavily involved with applied ballistics and, and those guys and, and the work that they do. I mean, they do all the custom curves, which makes a big difference to the performance of the solver because then it's not running off of just a single-digit BC or ballistic coefficient. It actually runs off, you know, a, a dynamic system based on drag data from actual real-world data they've collected from shooting that particular bullet at multiple ranges and in multiple environments. Range finders. Now, this is an interesting one because I'm a little bit dirty with Leica, actually, but it's not Leica's fault. This is just when I <laughs> specifically purchased. I got the 2400, then literally at the SHOT Show two weeks later, they I watched a couple of YouTube videos on one of these regular guys that I watch, and they brought out the uh, 2800.com. Now, this just blew my mind because then you could actually – link the Bluetooth uh, Leica with the Kestrel. So when you're actually range finding with the range finder, it actually sends the shooting or sends that distance to the Kestrel, which then gives me the shooting you know, solution for elevation, which I thought just blew my mind. This is fantastic. But idiot me just bought the other one you know, a couple of weeks before that. But then again, the 2800.com is pretty expensive. So what range finders now will work with the Kestrel? It's probably not going to be a huge deal for me per se because there is a large expense with that more expensive new rangefinder from Leica to just to link it up to the Kestrel takes me two seconds to do it by hand. So it's not a huge deal, but is there any specific type of rangefinders that will work with the Kestrel and ones that won't work, even if they're appropriately like Bluetooth to the to the Link Kestrel? Yeah, look, there's there's quite a few now actually. Um, it's sort of just originally, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you bought something right before the shot show. I mean, I that's, what that's, a goober! Eh? What it's an idiot! The worst yeah. time to buy a product is the two weeks before the US shot show. <laughs> but I think mine was about nine hundred. Now I looked on the US website, and the twenty eight hundred dot com was a thousand and ninety nine. So if we do the conversion. I think it's about eighteen hundred. So that's Australian, and I spent nine hundred. So I think I'll stay with the general one that I bought. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's it's. Look, the, it was actually, I think it was actually the Vectronics, the PRF 25C BT that was the first rangefinder, which is a military-grade rangefinder that connected up with the Kestrel. Um, and that, that's a phenomenal rangefinder. You know, that'll measure six, seven kilometres. And that technology sort of kicked it off. And you've got the Wilcox Raptor, which some people have. It's quite expensive. Um, that's, you know, it's, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's not for me. <laughs> um that, you know, there's that system. There's, I think Safran also do the ICUGR. Does Sig Sauer make one too? Does that one link up with it as well? Yeah, the 2400 BDX does connect to the Kestrel. So does the Steiner. Um, and then there was also the Bushnell Connex, um, which was 
uh, I don't know if they still even sell them, to be honest. They sort of came with a bit of fanfare and then faded off again. And, and there's obviously what we sell here in Tesla Australia is actually the Terrapin X, which is a civilian-grade um, electronics product, which that'll measure, you know, 3Ks and sync up to your Kestrel as well. And then there's also the Leica and I think there's one other, but it's just not coming to the top of my head. It's not out yet, I don't think. I'll have to double-check, obviously. There, that's the, off the top of my head list. But even speaking about the electronics too, it's not too – even if you don't have one that connects, it's not really that hard. Bang, have it in your hand. It's not really that – I don't know. I find it would be useful, but is it a deal-breaker for me? I don't think so. It's – we get a lot of reports from the, a lot of the guys um, doing the deer hunting and that sort of thing up in the high country. They do appreciate it a fair bit um, as dog control workers guys that you know spend their day job culling dogs on sheep country and that sort of thing they really like it um we've got quite a few guys with the camels they use it but for recreational guys who's just starting out in this sort of field no it's not a deal breaker what 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 customers do you normally see that are, are buying them I mean, is it all walks of life in australia like you said you know people that are culling dogs and foxes or deer high country deer hunters who's who's your main business saying regard at least in the shooting sports area Oh, specific to shooting sports, I don't think there is a main business. It's everyone and everyone. Um, I mean, we, we were talking to some black powder guys not long ago that wanted to use the Kestrel and wanted to know what BCs to put in for their black powder guns. So it's it's about as diverse as it comes when it comes to shooting. I mean, the, the Kestrels, you know, knowing your conditions is a pretty, pretty important fact if you want to start shooting, pretty important factor if you want to start shooting long. And, you know, most guys are getting into that. It's the way the industry is shifting. You know, even rimfire, you know, you've got guys shooting two, 300 metres and just saying, I really enjoy doing myself. And it's just not uncommon anymore. And, you know, same with the centrefire guys, you know, 1,000 metres sounds like a long way, but more and more guys are getting right into it. And it's not as hard as you think if you've got the right information. And even, you know, the more entry-level products, like there's the new 2700 or even a basic 5000 series, which they connect up to Strelok Pro because the Keshuls themselves, uh, if you get a unit without um, without actually having its own inbuilt calculator, some some guys which also use it for farming and that sort of thing, you can actually connect them to a lot of the apps like Shooter, Pi Ballistics, um, Strelok Pro, um, Ballistics AE. There's a few others. So guys can still run Ballistics solvers on their phones and, and actually use a Kestrel for those devices. So... Yeah, it means that if you if you shoot and you want to start shooting a bit further out, they they generally a customer eventually. Yeah, is there any specific things people can do? You got a couple of questions here about putting them in a protective case. I think it comes with a like almost like a soft sunglasses case or similar as what I've got mine in now. Do you need to treat them any any certain way to keep them in good condition? Obviously not from just regards to Renox and things like that, but in regards to making them work for you know long into the future. No, look, I have a demonstration that I do where I get a bucket full of gravel and mud and I shove the Kestrel in it, I put a lid on it, I shake the hell out of it and I pull the Kestrel out and hand it back to them and they're fine. Um, they're, they're waterproof, they float, they they fall off the back of tractors more often than not. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, right. they, they do take an absolute beating and, and look, they are designed. There's, there's, I mean, one of the most common questions we get is, you know, is there a difference between the military Kestrel and, you know, the Kestrel I can buy from you guys? And the answer is just no, that they are identical. You are buying, you know, a military off-the-shelf product. It just so happens that we sell it to everybody else as well. It's not unique to, you know, Defence Forces 
as simple as that. And, and that's a good question, actually. With the defense forces and stuff, do they use them in, in combat, these types of items? Or is it, is it more if you know, people are, are shooting long range and, you know, I guess, snipering human people, I guess, do they, do they use these products or do they go a different route in regards to actually having, you know, printouts about what the firearm will do? Like, you know, always, some people have always got a spotter. Not always, but, you know. Yeah, look, it's definitely changing over time. I mean, there was a time where there was a dedicated sniper teams and, and those sort of things, and Kestrels have always been an integral part of their gear or, or a part of their gear that they want. I mean, we've been military side of things is probably what kicked it off, really. And you've got more guys moving away from sort of even the machine gun teams, you know, support teams now generally running semi-automatic 50 cows rather than just, you know, full-blown, you know, lugging a heavy piece of gear. Um, it's it's a really changed over the last even five, six years, especially with the interconnectivity. So you see Kestrels appearing with, you know, there's often coined term between Green Army and Black Army and, and more and more of the Green Army now getting Kestrels and, and using it for all sorts of applications. You know, and, you know, the sphere of warfare is certainly changing and how, you know, militaries around the world fight wars is, you know, definitely a lot different now than even 10 years ago and Keshul certainly are a part of that and how they go about doing their jobs. Are there any products that work in conjunction with Keshul or anything you can buy extra? They work with smartphones and, and wind vanes and things along those lines? Yeah, look, I mean, obviously the wind vane side of thing, you often see that in photos and videos. I mean, it's pretty popular and common. Um, you can buy them, you know, uh, even with the Kestrel, uh, if you buy the right unit that comes as a package. Um, and then mo- any phone with a Bluetooth chip, as long as it's fine, Bluetooth 2.0 or up, uh, will connect to a Kestrel. Um, as long as it's not a Windows-based phone, they have problems with their apps, some of the really old Windows-based phones. But Android units and iPhone units, there's no issues. I mean, there was some confusion about that. Some guys saying, oh, you know, I've got an Android and it won't work with my phone. It actually does now. I mean, there was a very brief time when the 5700 was released, but it didn't, but that was resolved really quickly. Um, but yeah, smartphones and look, I've spoken to universities, uh, not so much in the shooting side of things, but in other industries where they're connecting Kestrels via Bluetooth to all sorts of equipment. And as long as it's got a Bluetooth, it, it can generally talk to each other. Uh, any, any other, I guess, bits and pieces people can buy as, as extras that might be useful for them in the field? Rangefinders, mate. <laughs> True. Ones that connect directly, guys. Yeah, yeah. Bluetooth models. Don't yeah, be yeah. stupid like Jason from AHP. <laughs> yeah. It's, po- <laughs> it's pos- possibly a – look, I mean, you can certainly, you know – I mean, like is good gear. I can't complain. I mean, you know, that's exactly why I bought it because I noticed when I was going shooting a lot between the is it the beam divergence or whatever they call it, where some of the cheaper ones have a bigger, wider beam. And I was just picking, especially when I go down the Riverina, it's very, very flat. It's very hard to you pick up shrubs in front of the targets, you pick up the ground in front of the target, and you just can't get an accurate measure. And that's why I decided to thought, well, you know, as you said, and, and we'll talk about that now actually because that'll be a great question. I mean, the Kestrel is only really a piece of equipment it's what you put in it can you explain that to people because if you put shit house data into the kestrel it's not going to give you the shooting solutions you desire so tell them what they need to do yeah 
Yeah, garbage in, garbage out is the saying, and, and Kestrels are very much. They're just a computer. They they can't guess what you want. You've got to give it accurate information. Uh, even down to plugging in, um, if you're going to use the ballistic software in the Kestrels, um, a common thing we try and bang into people is, is remember to actually figure out what your temperature versus muzzle velocity data is. And you don't need a chronograph to do that. You just need to set up a target sufficiently far away that you can see a difference between cold ammo and hot ammo. And you can bang in that distance into the Kestrel and it'll figure out the temperature dependence for you. And, you know, that, that little piece of information is critical. Actually, truing your data is oh, the amount of times guys will buy a chronograph and, and then say, oh, the Kestrel's wrong or, yeah, it doesn't match up to my data that I got in this or that. Just my first advice to all those guys is run through the truing process. If it's, you know, the 5700 like you've got or anything above that unit, actually has an easy mode muzzle velocity truing as well as a more advanced muzzle velocity truing mode. But if you switch it across to you know, easy mode, it, it walks you through it. It even gives you a suggested distance to do it at and, and basically talks you through how to actually true up your data, which always mean when we're saying truing up your data is make sure that the muzzle velocity is what the bullets are actually doing, not what some other device measures. So... Bullets don't lie. I mean, you hear that from all the other schools and everybody. It's a pretty common <coughs> piece of information. Bullets don't lie when they hit a target. Explain that bit too, because I wanted to talk about that. Because that's important too, and that's happened to me. And we had a chat about this previously. That you know, when I was using you know a, just an average Caldwell style chronograph, and I was saying <laughs> mine are roughly about. I'm using two two oh nine with seventy grains uh, Sierra uh, Blitz Kings and the two four three, and I was roughly saying about thirty one hundred thirty one oh eight. But when I trued the data, obviously I set up a distance. I think my target was about four hundred and fifty meters, four hundred thirty meters, and obviously I was pulling up just a little bit short. So off the bat, it actually wasn't too bad. This is actually before I even had the Kestrel. This is through a different program, obviously. Uh, and then I noticed once I just uh, made that change, it actually upped the velocity. I don't know. I just thought, I don't know exactly what my, I can only go off what the chronograph's actually telling me. But even if the, uh, I guess what uh, actually the truing muzzle velocity is a bit higher or is a couple of hundred feet different, is that actually a problem? Is my bullet actually doing what the chronograph says or is it actually doing what the shooting solution says it's doing? bullet does what it does so when it hits the target that's exactly what it did in those conditions so chronographs are a great tool for working out your standard deviations which is you know how much your velocity is bearing shot to shot and your extreme spread and velocities and those sort of things but we always recommend even if you don't own a kestrel actually shoot your dope in inverted commas is the sort of coin term for it which is data of previous engagements you know you actually collect your data um kestrels make it a lot easier but you absolutely should be actually shooting the target bullets don't lie where they impact that's the velocity that you're doing and taking into account the adjustments of your scope so what a lot of guys forget is you know, your bullet might not actually be doing 3,250. It might be doing only 3,230. But when you're dialing, instead of dialing, you know, 17 mils, you well, actually, most guys don't dial that much. Let's say four mils, you might actually be dialing 4.05 mils because you've got, you know, 1% error. And it's actually, you know, accumulating as you're dialing further and further away. And when you true your data, it actually takes into account what your scope's actually doing. And that's, that's why, you know, your actual velocity, you know, knowing the exact number that it's doing is, is a useful piece of information, but it's not the whole picture. You, you really need to know exactly what that bullet does on the target 
for your entire shooting system, which includes the scope, you know, the barrels, everything. When you get into it, I think it really is fun, isn't it? I didn't think it would be as fun as I actually thought it was going to be to you know to actually hit those targets. It can be a little frustrating because sometimes you know you don't know where you're going wrong, especially if you've you know trued up the data and it is working. And that's the issue that I had with the the the, the cheaper rangefinder. While it was still a good product up to a certain distance, I think beyond that, uh, that's when the, the shortfalls or the pitfalls started to show up, so to speak. And uh, you know, as you said, if you if you're giving it the wrong information and you're shooting something at 400 but it's actually 375 or 380 you're picking up something else you can send yourself and pull your hair out about a frustration because you don't know where you're going wrong sometimes is it your you know your scope's not you know your scope rings is they're not tight enough or is it the load not working or even though you've already checked all this stuff and it sounds fine you think hang on that should have hit what's going on yeah we, we normally refer to different aspects of your shooting system as bottleneck devices. So somewhere along the line, you might have a bottleneck device which is holding up your ability to hit that target. It might be the scope. It, you know, it could even be your ammunition that you're using. Um, could be the bullet itself. You know, it's just destable at those distances. Um, th- those sort of you know, aspects of long-range shooting really do make it interesting and and fun and frustrating. <laughs> so, you know, same thing like rangefinders, especially some of the cheaper units. Um, yes, they give you a number, but I'd almost rather if some of those cheaper units just didn't, you know, if they can't give you an accurate distance, they almost shouldn't put anything on the screen. And unfortunately, that's not a, the way a lot of those cheaper units work and, and they might measure out to, you know, some pretty amazing distances. But if it's, you know, if it's out by 10 metres, you know, and you're shooting at a, box or a rabbit or whatever it is that you're doing you know you're going to miss or worse even worse you're going to wound something especially if you're hunting and those those sort of aspects mean that you know you've got to be a bit careful with getting into this and sort of progressing up sort of the skill levels um take your time and and do try and keep an eye on what what is actually holding you back what is a bottleneck device and that can be a challenge and it's why you know youtube's now you know full of videos which are good info and bad info and everything in between so it is it can be a slow process but it's once you get into it uh, we often joke to people you know you you sure you want to buy this because it's probably more addictive than crack cocaine yeah, no, I totally agree. And you get, hey, guys, if you get into this, you're going to have no money left. Literally today, actually, <laughs> I got a good deal on a. Um, it's one of the last uh, the Bushnell XRS two I bought, and uh, I got a cracking deal on it today. I mean, I looked at most places; they were about oh, three thousand, three thirty one hundred. I got a nice unit for under two k. Done so well. I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty excited about it. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, you know, I wasn't willing to pay an extra another extra thousand for. You know, it's a, it, is, it is a flat, dark earth color. I think, though, obviously, you know, some people aren't interested in that. And neither am I to a certain degree. For but for a thousand dollars cheaper, I'm willing to negotiate. So you have baby poop, baby poo brown on your gear, then. That's right. Yeah, well, I might have to go. Uh, maybe I'm not normally not a chassis kind of guy, but you know, maybe this time I might I might have a look at it. I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a sucker for you know GRS stocks or McMillan's, or I do I do like the hunting style stocks compared to the chassis types, but you never know. I can might be persuaded on this one, so for this new build that I've got coming up, so we'll see. Just try everything. Just I mean, that's I mean, we've been attending the PRS matches and I can safely say they're they're gold because there is everything in between. There is guys just running wooden stocks, there's guys running chassis, you know, there's foundation stocks, manor stocks, McMillan stocks, Bolly stocks, you name it, they're all there and you know, you can you can probably, you know, rock up, ask somebody, have a hold, have a feel and 
yeah. figure out if it's comfortable. I haven't done too much, you know, shooting with, you know, those chassis type systems either. I'm more of a sort of general hunter stock or, you know, an aftermarket, you know, just general sporter style stock. So never got into the, you know, more expensive one. Probably GRS is the only one I've got that I actually sort of spent a little bit of coin on, but that's pretty cheap in regards to, you know, chassis type systems. You can really start laying the money away when you get into that, that sort of area. Yeah, it's a it's a deep black hole. It's a deep <laughs> black hole of having no money, guys. So you know, yeah, de- definitely get into long range shooting if you if you're prepared to spend a fair amount of your budget on going out hunting, so that you don't have to buy meat ever again. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just to stand. I mean, I'm just been working out my building. I mean, I'm not. I'm not actually when I say build, I'm not actually building a firearm. I've taken a stock ticker off the shelf, and I'm going to sort of dress it up and try and get the best results I can. But you know, I mean, even then, you know, two thousand dollars for a tick of armor. Just spent 2k on a scope there's four if i had my kestrel there another say what thousand another thousand for a rangefinder. then to work up loads and powders and bullets and you know bipods what else do i need on a you know if you go a chassis you're going to pay a lot more again for stocks i mean you're up to up to the six six seven thousand dollar mark and that's not even on a on a build really that's that's just a standard rifle off the shelf yeah i mean you don't have to go that carried away i mean i know a lot of guys that learn a lot of this stuff and and we do you know advocate using 22s for learning getting into long range shooting if if you're not sure if it's for you grab a 22 and try and shoot small targets at two 300 meters with it and you're going to learn it's very addictive when you do hit so you're going to learn that you like it and you know you can you can start cheap you definitely can get into it with very little investment and that's where 22s come very handy um, and then, you know, tickers these days, I look look at some of the, you know, uh, Bayou's Guns and all those websites now. Oh, you can pick up some screaming deals and there's generally nothing wrong with secondhand rifles. I, I've seen, seen guys get into this stuff on a shoestring. It is possible to do, especially if you're learning. Guys get obsessed with getting half MOA groups and those sort of things, but you can learn a lot of this stuff. You know, if your gun is sub MOA, you know, it might only be 0.9 MOA, or might actually be a one MOA rifle. You can you can learn a lot, and you can hit targets quite far out. It's it's certainly something that you don't need to think of it as an elite sport. We're not you're not trying to win F class matches. You're just trying to have fun and learn. And it comes down to I think a lot of it you know comes down to hand loading as well. You know, finding out what your rifle barrel like sure you know some rifles you know people have tried everything well not everything but a lot of different combinations and nothing's worked i mean i mean just my varmint 243 i mean i'm getting 0.3 of an inch at 100 meters i mean yeah well sub moa under half uh, half half minute of angle so i can't really complain and i don't know if a build would nest it with a you know a specific competition barrel or whatever it may be Uh, i don't even know if it's going to do better than that i'm I'm happy with what it's doing so it looks generally custom guns or builds. I mean, my main hunting rifle was built off a ticker action and it shot better than the custom build that I actually had built beforehand based on a stiller action. Was that but, a ticker barrel or no, aftermarket barrel? No, uh, it's, it's got a proof research carbon barrel on it. It's, I, went, I, went, I went all out on it. It's my, it's my favourite gun, actually. Um, but it's, yeah, look, you, you can get better results if you really want to open up the checkbook and spend the big bucks. But for most guys that are learning that they're not there yet, the bottleneck might not be the piece of equipment, might be the gun. Uh, sorry, the guy driving the gun, the nut behind the butt, as they say. So it's uh, certainly don't need to obsess with you know getting into high end cost rifles. I know a lot of guys that start off with just a generic ticker and and you know go from there and 
pretty similar to yourself. If you just start off, you know, shooting four, five hundred meters with two, four threes, or even twenty-two, two fifties, and those sort of things as their main sort of box gun or whatever it may be, and, and they go from there. And then, of course, you know, there's that whole six and a half Creedmoor craze that took off. Um, and a lot of guys, you know, find them very easy to tune, which is why probably why they're so popular because, you know, you, you don't have to be the best at reloading to get good results. You know, it's just an inherently accurate case and they're popular for a reason, but there's other choices, you know, good old 308. I mean, tick a CTR 308 can be had pretty cheaply secondhand and, and do they shoot generally? I mean, yeah. average. I was tossing you know, up between guys. that one. I mean, even I went the, I did my new one. I went the ticker varmint with the twenty-four inch barrel. I do. I was tossing up whether the CTR, but only be I went the varmint only because I pretty much already got one uh, in the two four yeah. three. So, but I was unsure. Like I was having this debate. I think I spoke to you about it as well. Like you know, thirty cows, and I did uh, a podcast just a couple of weeks ago with the guys that do some training courses, and you know, the six point fives are popular. But I didn't want anyone to say I was a retard for going. <laughs> 6.5 Creedmoor so do I go 7 mil rem mag do I go 300 win mag I, uh, yeah, I like the 260 Remington too so I'm pretty much sold on 260 only because I don't want to be you know, told I've got a man bun if I get a 6.5 Creedmoor so um, well, you know, but they're both good. I mean, they're both good products, and the and the six point fives are doing really, really good things. Reasonable recoil, shoot out to a thousand meters. Mate, most people don't even have a place to shoot a thousand meters. So, yeah, look, there's certainly more ranges being built to accommodate that. That's certainly one one of the good things of today is there is more opportunity to go a bit further. There's, I don't know, quite a few ranges. I'm involved with one here in SA trying to build one that actually goes out to a mile but it's taking time because it's also right next to a wind farm which is great but um, but when you look at it at a thousand meter kilometer when you look at that sort of distance people say oh it's not that but when you look at it I'm actually on a hill shooting across there I I can barely even see the targets I'm like this is a long way for a lot of people like it's a long way you don't realize how far that actually is yeah, look, it certainly is a long way. Um, it's just with the modern technology, I mean, I guess where the attitude of it's not that far comes from, from people like me or guys running training courses, those sort of things, that attitude just comes from the fact that technology has progressed to a stage that if you've got the right right information it's at your fingertips, easy, yeah, yeah. you can actually, well, maybe not pretty easy, but it's doable. Like it's, it's, not, it's not an impossible task, whereas there was a lot of time where it was a very specialised skill, whereas now, you know, you don't even need to have all this gear you can rock up to you know a range or go out with your buddies have got some targets set up for the day at a thousand and you know you can use their data and their information it's not that hard to quickly program in a new gun and, and can generally get out there I and mean, we regularly take guys you know out pretty quickly you know even just random customers like farmers a classic example you sell them a kestrel for their spraying and then they, they realize oh there's all these ballistic units and then all of a sudden you're out there talking to them about um, <laughs> wet bulb temperature and those sort of things and <laughs> yeah. delta Ts and then all of a sudden you're talking long range shooting five minutes <laughs> later and they've got their gun out they're asking a million questions so <laughs> I mean it sounds like a bit of an interesting industry to be in for you I mean it's, it sounds pretty fun I mean I guess it never gets boring I mean people say oh you know once you work in the industry for a while you don't start shooting guns after a while because you just get sick of it but I guess there's worse yeah. things to be doing in the world yeah look I I don't know. I, I do enjoy my shooting a bit too much to get sick of it, I reckon. And oh, it's broken up enough. Like Kestrel is shooting in reality is a pretty small part of the business. At the moment, you know, my main time sink is dealing with the live export industry to do with sheep exports out of WA and places like that. Because, you know, obviously heat stress is a major issue and 
So we're working with companies to try and set up monitoring systems and those sort of things. And it's just, you know, you go from dealing with that to, you know, you're on a plane, you land in Perth and the phone rings and it's some Queenslander asking about his, you know, six and a half Creedmoor and issues with his Kestrel. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <right. laughs> it's certainly an interesting industry, that's for sure, um, learning all this stuff. Uh, but um, I, want, I want to ask you a couple of questions because you did mention that too, which was absolutely fantastic. Do they work with uh, air rifles, rimfire and centerfire? Can you do all, all of the above? Because, you know, as you said, I've got a CZ455, which I – like to shoot a bit of long range with as well and like you know, long range when I say you know, 100 to 150 on some rabbits and things like that which is sort of decent for me especially with the 22 yeah. can you use the Kestrel with uh, those types of uh, firearms? Absolutely it's, um, it's a pretty it's a point mass ballistic solver it's a, well, it's a modified point mass ballistic solver and what that means is anything that flies through the air with a ballistic trajectory and is exposed to the environment the, the data lines up nicely as long as you've got reliable information on the performance of that projectile in the air which you know commonly called ballistic coefficient is the easy easy way to come up with it and certainly with rim fires you know the um g1 bcs are, are really useful for rim fires so you just grab the g1 bc of your bullet plug it in and away you go same with you know, muzzle loaders and round ball and, and all that stuff it's all easily plugged into your kestrel and generally if you if you have a bullet that you're asking questions about and, and you really don't know can always just pick up the phone and give us a ring and ask us and probably spoken to somebody else about it before and pretty happy to well, flick us an email. It might be easier too, otherwise I get stuck talking about shooting all the time. But, yeah, flick us an email and we'll point you in the right direction of what information to plug into your Kestrel and generally get you to start stretching it out. I mean, it's always fun talking to the black powder guys shooting, you know, seven, 800 metres at smaller and smaller targets and then 1,000 metres with you know, early 1900s technology. It's pretty cool. Interestingly enough, is there any situation where a Kestrel won't work for a shooting solution or a specific type of firearm or anything like that? It's difficult with bows. Um, obviously, arrows are a, a different, you know, they're not really a point mass. Um, that They don't quite line up with some of the Kestrel models. I do know of some guys which have spent a lot of time uh, coming up with their own sort of BC curves to you know plug in there at different velocities and they sort of get reasonable results but generally you're not shooting that far either um and that's i guess that's the key point you know it won't it doesn't really work that well with stuff that doesn't shoot that long so as, as long as it's going over sort of 100 150 meters it, it'll it'll work now you were mentioning a bit earlier about the new product coming to the market. Now there's obviously, as you probably know, I mean these are not the cheapest things going around. That's just being brutally honest. But is there an option where people, this new product coming out, where it's going to be at a competitive price point, but going to work for the particular usage they might need it for? Yeah, look, it's it's targeted. I mean, the best way to describe it is it's targeted at you know the big game hunters of the US, which is a twenty seven hundred ballistic. So it's got Bluetooth. You can program in your rifle using your phone. Uh, it's, it's a relatively basic meter. It only gives sort of temperature, humidity and wind speeds um, and direction. But, you know, that'll get you out on a, on a largest target with a small margin of error, you know, out to sort of eight, 900 meters quite reliably as long as you're not going anywhere near the transonic range. You, you should be fine. Um, and generally our advice when it comes to transonic range, if your bullet's dropping below about Mark 1.2, which is – you know, 1.2 times the speed of sound, generally that's where you need a, a higher-end unit to start getting reliable data and reliable ballistic solutions. Um, but, you know, for the guy that just wants to get into this thing as cheap as possible, 
they've basically got, you know, a 2500, uh, gives you everything you really need to know to get started. You just got to plug it in all in manually. Uh, but a few, couple of hundred bucks more, you can buy a 2700 ballistic, should be out by the middle of this year, which will basically plug it all in for you and give you a number without relying on your phone battery. And they last How a much will that uh, new one be uh, sort of retailing for? Do you know what prices I'll be selling that one for? Oh, I'm probably shooting myself in the foot here, but I reckon it's about $450 Australian ink GST. Um, it'll be around that ballpark figure. And that'll be one firearm, so they can obviously program one firearm. I have to double ch- check I think it's that only again. one. I think it's only yeah, one. Yeah, I... I, the now, if I had to pick my only beef with Kestrel, that's my only beef with them. The, the, the fact that they've only got sometimes, like I've got the, there's different models, as you know, the 5700, 5700 Elite. I probably would have bought the Elite, or, you know, I would have told my missus to get me the, the Elite, but, you know, she, she did what she could and I'm stoked for it. So, um, but if I've got the 5700 three gun profiles, if I had to pick one beef, that'd be my only beef with it so far that they probably should add, you know, maybe a few more gun profiles. I don't think it'd be too much effort, would it, for Kestrel to you know, give, <laughs> give you a little bit more shooting solutions for that, you know, but then again, I guess oh, you wouldn't look, buy the higher one, I guess, would you? So there you go. Yeah, yeah. Three, three guns is quite a lot of guns. I mean, it's pretty hard to shoot three guns at once um, and but, you I mean, can manage what's... it pretty quickly on your phone but yeah look i mean that's certainly where the elite the elite sort of stands apart because you know it's more than just the gun you know some guys have different loads you know or they're experimenting doing load event with a different load so they want multiple profiles in their kestrel and that that's where the elite really stands and and i'll be honest and say that the kestrel elite is by far more popular than a standard 5700 ballistic um, and that's just, you know. It's nice uh, to know that now. Once yeah. That well, way. if someone had rung us before they opened the box and was right on the phone, we pro- probably could have organised a bit of a trade in price. But anyway. But, but, I, but I, I don't mind anyway. The, I mean, I'll probably end up upgrading. Any, but how easy is it for an example? Let's say I had a, the, the 5700, which I do now, three gun profiles, and then say I want to not, not necessarily upgrade. I know you just said that was possible. But if I wanted to have, say, I have five guns, is it easy enough for me to be able to use my phone just to quickly have those profiles there? And let's say I'm going out in the morning and I'm at home or I'm at my you know, campsite and I've got you know, an easy place to charge my phone. And I go, well, I'm probably going to use these three firearms today. So take those ones off, bang, 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 and put them back up and put the other ones back on. Or does that ruin the true muzzle velocity from taking them backwards and forwards from the phone to the, to the Kestrel? No, no, it stores all the data every time. So basically you true your data on your Kestrel and then you export it back to your phone and generally uh, override the old version. Um, you have to go in there and delete it. Um, we don't do that for you. Yeah, yeah. Because some people complain, obviously, when you overwrite things of the same name because yeah. people are, have a tendency to muck that up and delete data they didn't but want to delete. But if I want so, to do that, it is it is possible and easily to oh, say. Oh, absolutely. It's, you know, it doesn't take that long in reality. You know, it probably takes a grand total of two minutes to pull all the guns off and put new ones on and you're not going to lose any data chopping and changing between um, the phone and the Kestrel as long as you remember to use the most updated version of that bullet profile or gun profile. Yeah, right, yeah. And there's plenty of videos on YouTube, guys, if they want to have a look at it, isn't it, how to use them properly and, you know, at least to give them a hands-on look instead of reading manuals. I sometimes prefer the, the video style, you know, hands-on having a look at it while I'm doing it. Yeah, or, or send us an email. We're, we're pretty happy to be helpful here at Cashel AU. I mean, we... Most people are a bit surprised that we even exist here and you can pick up the phone and give us a call. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> look, right. g- generally you'll pick up the sales people and they'll say, uh, ring this person and they'll, they'll bump you over to me. But, um, yeah, look, it's, it's – I mean, 
certainly try to read the manual first. I don't really like telling people how to turn the unit on. Um, but <laughs> it's, yeah, look, we're more than happy to be as helpful as we can You're be. pretty intuitive, I, I find. I mean, it took me a little bit once I spent you time doing it. And yeah, once once I spent time doing it and, you know, a couple of hours, you really start picking it up how easy it is to go between a gun profile, go back to the environmentals if you want, go in easily how to do it from once you've got all your gun profiles. Like, I mean, if you're a little bit tech savvy, it's not too hard to pick up. If you can use a smartphone, generally you can use a Kestrel. I mean, there's no real reason you shouldn't be able to use the both. And I, I, it's amazing. Like we've implemented easy mode now on your Kestrel. So you actually, when you've got ballistics environment, if you keep scrolling across, there's now easy mode, which basically walks you through everything. And a lot of guys really like that. And that was a good thing to do. And it solves a lot of tech support questions for our side of things. And it does mean that, you know, the, the system and how to learn it is a lot faster. And then you start learning the shortcuts. Like most people are surprised to learn that if you double tap the backlight button, it actually switches between ballistics mode and environmental mode. So if you just want to have a look at what the weather's doing quickly, you can oh, there you go. Tap I didn't them. know that. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Let double me go and get mine out when I finish. <laughs> yeah. Let's confirm if that's actually true. <laughs> yeah. No, it certainly is true. So there, there are shortcuts in how to do things, like simple things like doing captures from the main screen, you know, pressing that red button. Once you realise that, it certainly speeds up the process. Oh, when I saw that, I was like, because when they had it in the wind vane, and he was, as I, said, I think we spoke about this before, and he was connecting it to the phone, it kept on giving him live readings. And I said, why? I, I'm, even though I just, I just tested it outside just in my backyard into the wind, I was like, why is it not updating on my phone? What, what am I doing wrong? And then I finally figured out that the red button in the middle was the capture. So you had to press the button to leave the live capture on, and then it, as you do that, then it runs back to your phone and gives you all the information you desire. But you know, once I found that out, you were doing it all from the front screen. Oh, mate, it's, yeah, it's like all my Christmases have come at once. <laughs> well, yeah, look, I mean, that's so that that feature, the ability to set the Kestrel up and walk away from it, is actually what drove. Um, you know, talking to the guys in the US, they they developed the new um, heads-up display. So Kestrel actually launching a new product later this year, mainly targeted competition shooters, but it does exactly that. It connects to your gun. It's basically a big display, and you set your Kestrel up, walk away from it, and it'll constantly update the data on your screen, which is actually, you know, basically bolted to the side of the firearm. And it'll even, if you've got a rangefinder, that, that'll actually pull the data from the rangefinder and update all the data on your screen then and there. So... That's, you know, it's a bit pricey, but gosh, does it make things fast. But, I mean, if you if it lasts a while and you don't really have to, you know, you're using it 10 times a year, 15 times a year, I mean, it can last you a long time. I mean, but probably it's worthwhile for people to go down this route, I think, because, you know, really when you work out over, say, 10-year period, it's probably not going to be $100 a year or something. It's not too bad. Correct. And that's what a lot of the, I mean, a big part of our market is actually the, the professional shooting market. You know, guys out there, they're getting paid to do culling work and those sort of things. If they're ground-based shooters, uh, a lot of them have Kestrels or, or are interested in one and get one eventually. And that's exactly right. It just speeds up their process. It means that, you know, they can take, you know, a lot of those guys are, you know, limited to headshots and things like that. So they can, they can take really precise shots and dial in, you know, very quickly. Uh, just with a, a screen basically screwed into their dash, you know, and and every now and then, you know, the, the, the Kestrel's on the roof, they just make sure they come to a complete stop and away they go. Mate, anything to finish off, I guess? Um, anything you'd like to tell listeners or I guess obviously one thing would be website or where they can go to purchase them. That would be a good start, so let's go with that first. Yeah, look, I mean, there's there are a few dealers, obviously, uh, but we, we can buy direct off of us, so kestrelmeters.com.au. Uh, it's 
pretty straightforward. Uh, Google will take you there if you type in, you know, Kestrel Australia um, or even just Kestrel generally. I think the Google algorithms these days are pretty good at advertising to people pretty quickly. So It's f- so funny, <laughs> yeah. I uh, was on YouTube and I thought, bloody Google, you know, they know everything that I do. I was looking up Kestrels on YouTube because, I I, as I said, we spoke about before, I was using the Strelock app on uh, the phone, which was, you know, working well, but I just got a bit sick of having to put my wind meter in and running between different applications and I guess for the average shooter that might work pretty well like one that maybe shoots a couple of times a year but I want something that all in one unit that I'm there bang you know I want it all in one go all in one particular unit and um, yeah as soon as I started searching that all of a sudden I was going on Facebook and I thought you know the bloody bastards are Kestrel's advertising <laughs> me on Facebook you know how, uh, how, how do they know that this was, <laughs> wasn't us that was Google blame Google for everything don't you isn't that how it works <laughs> I mean it's that's that's how they make their money they're targeted advertising and look you know the reality is is you're getting ads for the products that you're interested in so you can't (laughs) it's 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 surprising how that works but no certainly um look generally if you're looking at a kestrel for shooting uh don't be afraid to flick us an email like you're you're a classic example really i mean you've ended up with a 5700 which is more than applicable for what you're going to do with it and look you know you just got to use it within its limitations but most guys you talk to them for a bit and they generally go with the Kestrel Elite and I can highly recommend that same with range finders you know the expensive range finders sound expensive but if you really want to start pushing the limits and start you know getting further and further out there unfortunately it's just you know you're almost better off living without a range finder for a chunk of time and, and investing in a really good one uh, it's just it's a harsh reality of this this sport, if you will, or, you know, community, long-range shooting community or sport, you, you, it is a bit of a pit with money. So you, you do have to be a bit prepared to spend to, to get good information and good data to be able to actually achieve what you want to achieve. It's, you know, you can do budget builds and you can cut a lot of corners in a lot of different areas. But at the end of the day, if your data isn't good, then you're just not going to get there. And, you know, the classic example is the old phone app. I mean, I still use Shooter and love Shooter. It's a good little cheap app that you can put on your phone, but especially for beginners. But, you know, even that, you know, you're pulling data from a weather station, which might be, you know, hundreds and hundreds of kilometers away from your location. And, you know, what the wind is doing is probably completely unrelated to what you're doing. And your attitude would probably be totally different as well. And it means that you know your your ability to hit targets with your first shot is going to be reduced. I mean, yes, you'll be able to walk your rounds into targets, but it's just not the same. And and there is there is a serious serious endorphin rush when you sort of line up something at sort of eight hundred meters or still target whatever it may be, and, and you hit it with that first round and you do it confidently. It, it it's it's very addictive. And I see a lot of people do that, you know, they they do that sort of thing. They're like, oh, I shoot long range. And I say, well, okay, well, how do you come up with your ballistic solution? And they just go, oh, well, I sort of got half an idea on this app that I got or this information. And then, you know, subsequently the bullet drops 10 metres lower and they go, oh, okay, well, give us a couple of extra minutes or something. Oh, I'm not far off again. Oh, bang, another, oh, I'm on. And I said, well, if you're going to go, you can't go hunting like that. An animal's not going to sit there while you're shooting three times 10 metres below it and then a little bit close it's just going oh hit me hit me i mean it's you need to have that first shot kill it's just you know and you need to be doing it accurately and consistently one for a humane kill but so the game obviously doesn't run off and you've wasted your opportunity yeah look that's 
that's pretty much the main, you know, that's part of Kestrel's branding is that first shot confidence. I mean, that's the whole point of these Kestrel units is to provide, the whole point is to provide that first shot confidence and actually get you on target and, and make it useful for hunting. I mean, we get those calls regularly about people watch YouTube channels about walking rounds on a targets and those sort of things. And, and look, that's, that's fine. And some people enjoy that if they're only shooting at steel, but Certainly, if you're going to get into hunting and that aspect, then you definitely want the most accurate data you can possibly have so that you've got confidence in actually making that shot the very first time you squeeze a trigger. If you're, if you're guessing, you know, if you, yeah, if you're not 100% or if you're not confident shooting at an animal, you should not be squeezing the trigger. I mean, that's And I used animals. to do that previously when I got my, you know, 308. I'd get animals at, you know, 280, 300 metres, and, you know, I've only got a Plex reticle 3 to 9 by 40, and I'm like, well, how, you know, so I hold a couple of inches above its back, and, you know, I'm like, well, that's not really accurate, you know? Like, it just seems a bit careless, to be honest to me. Sure, it might, some of them might feel confident, and they know sort of their equipment really well to do that, you know, but generally, I'm like, I'm like, how do you, beyond 150 metres for a flat shooting cartridge, let's just say, how do you know what that's doing? They go, oh, well, I don't. And I said, well, this is the whole point of these products is that you put good information in. You know, you should have a 600-metre shot and should be confidently, provided you've got a good range finder and you've put good data into your Kestrel, you should be a decent size and you should be making that shot. So. Yeah, well, it's it's like guys that, you know, they, they ring us and they'll say, oh, look, I only hunt. I'm only ever going to shoot out to 400 metres. And I still try and advise them to make sure that, you know, they they buy a unit that will go out further because really if, if you're only going to shoot out to 400 metres, you should really practice further out because it's more punishing and, and you'll get more confidence. And then, you know, it's, we just had guys uh, this week working with a couple of blokes that are heading over to the New Zealand Mountain Challenge. Um, they're going to be shooting that, uh, not this weekend, but, Oh, actually, I don't know when this podcast is going to air, but probably well, well, well weeks ago. Who knows? But they, they're going over there to compete, and and all their practice is, you know, further out. You know, they're standing behind a tripod and shooting standing with just a single support on the front end, and actually shooting at eight hundred thirty-four meters. And no, they don't hit every time, you know, but they might just miss the steel target. You know, they're not wounding anything, and and you know when they do hit and they start to develop that confidence, it, it means when the target's only at three four hundred meters, you, you don't second guess yourself, and that that doubt doesn't creep in. You know, you hear things like terms like buck fever and that sort of stuff. You know, you really should be doing everything you can to reduce that and, and having confidence in your equipment and confidence in your ballistics definitely definitely makes yeah. that a lot easier i've got a podcast do. coming out on the 18th so it'll be two weeks after that so it'll be probably Ooh. the first of april so is that uh, this will be coming out just after or oh, a couple of weeks after the mountain challenge so okay. ho- hopefully they've done well and and these <laughs> 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 points you're in the future <laughs> Back yeah, to the yeah. future. Um, yeah. Speaking about that, just to rattle off just a couple before we just finish off now, but the the, the, the several models that people can use for shooting just quickly. So if they want to they listen to this podcast on the uh, April 1st, they want to say, yep, I want to have a look at these products, see what they look like. Um, what are the model numbers or what are the ones they need to look at? Look, the entry-level product, which is very new to this year, uh, is the 2700 um, Ballistics. That'll be out, I think, around June, July might start shipping in may but I, I don't think so to be honest there might be the odd one floating around for show and tell but i don't think customers will get them till end of june maybe and, and that's going to be around that sort of 400 dollars price range and look that's going to be 
a really good unit for the the guy that's maybe all he does is hunt Sam and that sort of thing. He just wants a bit more confidence out to 300 metres or even goats and those sort of things. You want to start stretching it out and just having more first-round hits or, you know, you're culling dogs at 400 metres, 500 metres. That's all that stuff. You know, the 2700 is going to come in handy. Uh, as long as you are sure you're not going to want to upgrade down the track because if you, you know, there's nothing worse than <laughs> Hello, buying something twice. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, yeah. And then, then you go up to the 5700 series is sort of the main, you know, ballistics unit now. And, and look, they, they are $1,000 for, you know, is sort of the entry-level product that does everything um, is 5700 And for, I think the current price um, is twelve fifty. For the 5700 Elite with Bluetooth, and look, guys, like everyone that's in your podcast, if if you're a recreational shooter and, and you don't need to hide your Bluetooth signal from someone trying to shoot back at you, do not buy the unit without Bluetooth. You, you just you're slowing down your progress, and you're going to make your life more difficult. The Bluetooth units, you know, firmware upgrades. You buy a Kestrel, you always get the latest firmware upgrade for absolutely nothing. You know, when new firmware comes out for your unit, you just Connect it to your phone and you press the button and update. As long as you back up your profile, probably should add that to this podcast actually because the number of time guys press that accept button to do you want to update this despite the second sentence being you will lose all data on your Kestrel if you press accept. <laughs> Absolutely. Always remember to hit decline the first time you see that and make sure you've backed up your data onto your phone because once you've deleted it, that's it. It's gone. We cannot retrieve it. And um, but yeah, back up your data, update your firmware, and you know now the Kestrel 5700 Elite that'll give solutions out to 5,000 meters and beyond now. You know, for guys that want to shoot the two mile competitions and those sort of things, these things will actually produce you know ballistic solutions way out there. And I guess and, hearing that people can come up with an idea of what they're going. I mean, three gun profiles for me. I probably just even just the way we've been probably talking and discussing. And most of the times, I don't even have most even the places I go to. I'm probably good for about 800. But then that's if I want to shoot targets that distance. I don't really see any hunting opportunities at this stage where I could probably shoot 800 meters. So the 5700, just the general version, probably is going to work quite well for say my situation. Yeah. Look, it's. They're good. Um, I mean, there's nothing nothing wrong with those units at all for what you're trying to do. But it, yeah, I guess probably the biggest difference is some of the other features like the range card and having multiple targets, especially if you're going to be setting up and maybe you're shooting rabbits over multiple blackberry bushes or something like that. The Elite does shine by actually having, you know, you can have up to 10 targets and it will calculate them all live, you know, they're all constantly updating. You just, you know, press left and right and swap distances so you don't have to rearrange things all the time. That, all right, I'm upgrading. A... All right, all right, all right. <laughs> shit, shit. Okay, you got me, you got me. <laughs> it makes a big difference. And, and for guys See, I do like go... the range card. I mean, that would be a good feature. I mean, it depends yeah, on what it's... you – but the range card for me probably would be good for, say, you know, if I had, you know, a second focal plane cheap – uh, mill dot reticle scope and I want to use on a tw- more of a hunting 22 the range card will probably come in handy for that are you able to print out the range cards to you can you, you can, can export okay. it and print it out you can indeed and look the other big thing that the elite has that the standard pitch 700 ballistic doesn't is it's got the custom curves rather than just the g7 and g1 um, bullet data models is that for and different distances though or, I mean longer distances yeah look it it's certainly certainly makes a big difference as you start going further and further away and and you even have 
ability to true your data for beyond the subsonic range with a 5700 elite so if you want to you know say you've bought your 260 you're probably going to be going trans around sort of 11 1200 maybe further depending on your bullet selection depends on everything that you're doing but yep. it's a hunting bullet in the main you know maybe 13 1400 meters and say you one day want to shoot a mile um might only be for one day but that 5700 elite is going to make your life a lot more pleasurable with that's what you're trying to do and Mm. and that's why you know 5700 elites are significantly more popular um with the australian community because you know it's it's not you know you're talking long-term use of these devices you know they're not it's not like a computer where you buy it and then the next week it's obsolete you know these systems are designed to be firmware upgradable they they're basically marketed as you know really low deterioration rate of sensors. You, you don't need to send them back to us for recalibration for you know seven years really if it's a just a ballistics unit. As long as you're not taking it down mine sites all the time and using it in a saline hot environment. What about for someone like me that might use it five six times a year, ten times a year? How would it still the same seven year period to send it in? Oh, yeah, I mean, probably not even. I mean, the sensor drift is going to be so slow that you're probably never going to notice it. And, and the only thing that's really going to affect it is the humidity. And, and in reality, it, it costs you a hundred and something dollars for, to send it in and get it recalibrated. And it's just we have, we've never done it for the 5700 elites for recreational users. We do it for guys, again, mine site's probably the main one because they're in pretty toxic environments. And, you know, you put any bit of, computer technology down in those environments some take long to kill it just look at cars that come out of mine sites you know <laughs> they've had some damage and so generally they, all that normally rust from the inside out that's amazing yeah, it's, it's amazing really isn't it how that happens yeah so hostile environments sure but you know if you're a shooter and that's you know, what you're using your kestrel for chances are you, you're just not going to ever need it and probably out like you'll be you know handing it down and you know, who knows how long Bluetooth is the main, you know, connectivity source. You know, that, that might get replaced by something else down the line. But, you know, other than that, I, you know, at least at least for a good chunk of the future, you, you're not going to be outdated. And a lot of guys still run the 4400s and the 4500 systems. You know, there's a lot of guys that look after them um, and didn't put alkaline batteries in them, so they've lasted. You know, those systems are... They're, gosh, they must be 16, 17 years old and still going strong. I saw a Horace unit the other day that a guy sent in just just to replace the rear battery cover because he'd lost it. And so, you know, we connected up a new one and sent it back to him. And he, you know, and that, that unit was still going strong. We He did need a recalibration on the community. He was about 12% out. But, you know, he was happy. He was still hitting targets. And, you know, that's, that's how long they last. And as long as you look after them and don't chuck them in, Salt water every week, you should be fine. Excellent, mate. Anything to finish off? Uh, is there, they go on the website or where do they contact? Or Oh, look, yeah, kestrelmeters.com.au is probably the first sort of point of call and start looking at the products. I mean, if you if you go in the top menu, I'm pretty sure there is a specific ballistics menu now, which sort of runs off the 5700, the Terrapin X rangefinder, which is sort of what we think is the creme de la creme rangefinder that connects to the Kestrel. And then you've got the standard sort of um, units like 2700 and the HUD, all that's in one place. So I'd just go to the cashflowmeters.com website, have a look at that, and send us an email of questions. You know, there's no such thing as a stupid question. There's a frustrating question. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Excellent. Um, Mark Bourne joins us here on AHP to talk about Kestrel Meters. Mark, thanks for your time. I really appreciate your insight on uh, these products and uh, hopefully get a few more sales out of it and people can learn the art of long-range shooting with Kestrel products. Thanks. Ah, uh, yep, more long range shooting, the better.
You've been listening to an episode of the Australian Hunting Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. See you next time.